I just want to echo that EA I heard over there, um, right? Yet not I, but through Christ in me. I mean, that's such an awesome song to prepare our hearts when we talk about prayer and uh, what that all entails. Um, I truly do hope that as we've gone these last seven weeks that uh, you all have been, you've been encouraged, you've been stretched, you've been challenged as um, yeah, as we've gone through these different texts talking about these biblical reasons for the importance of prayer, why we pray, and, and how to pray, and some of those tools of prayer. Maybe that's something you've needed to hear. Maybe it's just been a reminder of some of the things that you've heard in the past, right? To hear, again, what Scripture says about prayer, because I think so often we can quickly forget what it says. Um, now, I do want to say whenever we do a theme for several weeks, it is inevitable that there's going to be some overlap, especially when you're tasked with preaching towards the end of that series, like I am today. Um, so I just want to warn you, you'll probably hear some of the same things you've already heard, um, but I think that's okay. Um, I think Kevin has encouraged both Josh and I that repetition is a great tool of learning. So maybe if you haven't applied something that you've heard already, if you hear it again today... Maybe you can take the opportunity to apply that to your life today, and, and that by doing so, it would equip and empower you to have a more effective and thriving prayer life. Well, in that same pursuit this morning, I'm going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. You can go ahead and turn there. Um, this verse, for whatever reason, keeps coming up for me this summer, and so I wanted to expound on it this morning, as I believe it, I believe it has some great principles on how we are to pray. Um, but before that, let's go ahead and read it here together. Ephesians 6, verse 18. says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let's pray. God, again, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have set before us to dig into your word and to hear the truths that are in it. I pray right now, again, you would open up our, our ears and our hearts to receive it, to apply it to our lives. And Lord, give me the words uh, and the ability to speak those truths. Lord, we thank you. We love you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're uh, following along there, as I read, you'll notice that this verse is at the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And while I could just pluck this verse out and speak on it, I think it gives greater clarity if we go back a little bit to understand the context of this section of Ephesians, as this verse does not just exist on its own. And so as we look at the first half of Ephesians here, chapters 1 through 3, we see that Paul lays out what is doctrinally true for us. He explains that what we have in Christ is an accumulation of blessings, of privileges, and of benefits, that we are chosen in Him, that we are given an inheritance, that we were once dead in our sins but now made alive with Christ because, of, because He is rich in mercy, He is rich in grace and in love, and that the gospel has allowed us to be fellow heirs with Christ and members of the same body. And this is all summed up for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that says, We are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then the second half of Ephesians begins at chapter 4 and through the end of the letter. 
we read what is referred to in these three chapters as the imperatives, how that truth then can be applied and lived out in our lives. And so this section starts with this. In, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so we are called to act on what we are reading and hearing about in these three chapters. To put off the old self and its deceitful desires. To be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. And to put away falsehood, corrupting talk, bitterness and wrath. And to be kind to one another, forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. To love as Christ loved us and to be careful how to walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now all of these imperatives then are given to us in the framework of our everyday lives. Paul is saying that what our lives should look like here and be marked by daily. At work and in the home, in the, in the grocery store, at a sporting event, in a relationship with our spouse and our children. But this isn't the end of his message. No, as Paul begins to conclude his letter, he shows us then how, this, how we live this out, right? That this is all taking place on a battleground. And as such, he reveals to us the importance of putting on the armor of God since we are waging war against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And many of us are familiar with the armor, Right? It's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Right? These are all the tools that God has given us to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. But do we understand that there's another weapon that we've been given in our arsenal as a believer because when we're talking about the armor of God, that's normally where we stop. Right? We, we don't go any further. But if you continue to verse 18, we see Paul's instruction here on prayer. And it's within this context then that we see in the spiritual battleground, prayer is essential. Not only is it essential, but it is the main weapon that we have in our war against the rulers, the authorities, and the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And so as Paul is finishing his letter here to the Ephesians, he's showing us that even though we have these awesome benefits and blessings in Christ, we're even given this armor of God that it actually all culminates here with prayer because prayer is our most powerful resource. Well, as we've already learned this summer, prayer is simply defined as a conversation with God. Right? John Calvin defines it as an intimate conversation in which the believer confides in God as a child confides in his father. John MacArthur says this about prayer. He says, prayer is the breath of the Christian's life. And so it's foundational to who we are as a believer. Now, I've had this thought more than once in my life that if God is sovereign, if he's in control of all things, why do we even need to pray? He can just do whatever he wants. Well, beyond the fact that we are commanded to pray, in his great wisdom, 
God has chosen to use the prayers of his saints as the mechanism to move. I'll say that again. God has chosen to use the prayers of his saints as the mechanism to move. And so it's with that foundation that we look at Ephesians 6.18 here this morning. And as we read through it, you may have noticed the repetition of the word all. It's repeated four times as Paul talks about prayer. And it's, it's how I'm going to break out the outline here this morning. The first part is praying all, at all times. Secondly, with all prayer and supplication. Third, with all perseverance. And finally, for all the saints. First off then, Paul says that we are to pray at all times. So here we see the frequency of prayer, right? That we are to pray at all times. And so our prayers need to be continuous. Now, Josh taught on this last week on what it means to pray without ceasing, so I'm not going to take too much time on this point. Um, But I do want to remind you, reiterate here, that the believer's life should be marked by continual prayer. Jesus teaches in Luke 21 to watch and pray always. I think we heard these couple verses last week too here. In Paul giving some further exhortation in Romans 12, 12 to be constant in prayer. In Colossians 4, 2 to continue steadfastly in prayer. So the charge for us is clear, to be continuous in our prayers. Now, obviously, we can't be praying every waking moment of our lives, right? I would ask that you pray for me now. You can, you can do that. Um, but what Paul is getting at here is it's not necessarily just a time that you wait for, but it's the life that you're living. It's the posture of your heart that is ready and willing to pray as the need arises, Because as Paul alluded to earlier, we are in this ongoing spiritual battle. And so at any waking moment, there may arise a need to pray. I've told this story before. I don't know in uh, this setting. But I know um, we had an opportunity to go up to Indianapolis a number of months ago for this thing called Jurassic Quest. We were were gifted that, um, especially for Micah. And so our family went up there, and it's some animatronic dinosaurs and different rides and inflatables and stuff, and the kids had a blast with that. Uh, But during the course of the afternoon, we realized there's a lot of people here. And the kids realized that as well as we waited in lines, and they were kind of getting antsy, and we were kind of getting antsy, and kind of asking us, hey, what can we do? This is, you know, we need to do something. And um, I'll never forget this. Kelsey just kind of... Gets down on their level and just says, hey, you know what? Um, you can find somebody to pray for. Right? Just as simple as that. And, and I'm thinking, my mind isn't even in that radar right now. I'm looking for the best, the shortest lines and trying to figure out the best ways to, to get the activities here. But she had the posture of the heart of prayer in that moment. Um, and I think that's what it means to be continuous in our prayers. To, to do that when the, when the needs arise and when we see those needs Around us, because I'm sure there's families there who have, were struggling with their kids or um, were in the same boat as us that needed prayer. But I think many of us here can probably think back to a time when we were drawn into a situation like that, or maybe a situation where we had to pray when we didn't anticipate a prayer being needed. Maybe that was being woken up in the middle of the night by a phone call 
for an urgent situation or, or asking God to be with you as you had to pull over on a road trip as your, your car unexpectedly breaks down. Um, I had to think about Kelsey's cousin, Bryce, who's um, here with us today. Praise the Lord. He's able to be here with us, right, in his current situation. Uh, we found out about that as we woke up on that Saturday morning. Um, and even though we're not accustomed to praying those types of urgent uh, prayers right out of bed, that's what we did. You know, we, we can't just say in that moment, well, I usually get up, go to the bathroom, you know, take a shower, brush my teeth, grab some breakfast, and then I have my, my routine where I pray. You know, we're called to pray at all times, and that includes outside of those normal routines or those uh, quiet, normal quiet times that we have. Charles Spurgeon says this regarding continuous prayer. He says, prayer pulls the rope below. And the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pluck at the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. And I had to think Spurgeon was considering Paul here as he modeled this for us so well as he says this in Ephesians 1.16 about the saints in Ephesus. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Do you hear that? I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So like Paul here, let our prayers be continuous, always being ready to pray at all times. The second thing Paul mentions about prayer is that we should pray with all prayer and supplication. Right, well, what does that mean? Well, what Paul is saying is that we should be able to pray all kinds of prayers. We see this evident uh, in the fact that there's a variety in the modes of prayer. Right? Prayer can be audible or silent. It can be public or private. It can be formal or informal. It can be planned or spontaneous. We see it in the different postures of prayer where we sit, stand, kneel with one's face on the ground, with one's hands raised. Right, each, po each posture fitting the type of prayer at the time. Now, when we talk about continual prayer, as we just did, oftentimes those are prayers that are offered in an unplanned and informal way. But there are times, I do believe, that we, we need to set aside for planned, personal prayer. I think Matthew 6, 6 alludes to that when Jesus says this, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. So these would be more formal, private types of prayer where we can get away from the noise and distractions of our busy lives and allow ourselves the time where we can focus exclusively on God. And, and I'll be honest, in our day and age, this is getting harder and harder to do. We're, we're, we're really not forced to be by ourselves or we're not, we're not forced to be bored anymore. I think it's funny, my, my wife has a little chart on our refrigerator, when the kids say, I'm bored, here's about four or five things that you can do, right? So if they do get bored, we have some things for them to do. Um, and I think because of that, though, it gets difficult to quiet our spirits, to put away our, our phones and to focus on communing with God. But I, I encourage you to do so, to be intentional and make time for personal planned prayer. And when you do, I encourage you to remember the different categories of prayer that have been discussed here these past several weeks. 
Um, I also wanted to give my recommendation for the model of prayer that Kevin brought up, known as the Acts model. I know this is something we've gone through with the youth for years, and it's a great way to kind of compartmentalize your prayers and to pray those varied types of prayers on a consistent basis. And I wanted to touch again on this model briefly. Remember I said it's the ACTS model. It's A-C-T-S, and it's an acronym that stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And these encompass some of the main types of prayer that we see in Scripture. First here is, is adoration. Right? This is praise and worship of God, telling Him how great He is, repeating His names and attributes back to Him. God, you are the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the Lamb that was slain for our sins. You are loving, eternal, faithful, wise, merciful, gracious, and good. Right? That's adoration. Next is confession. This is a submitting to the lordship of God, telling him where we've sinned or fallen short, even asking that the Holy Spirit search our hearts and show us those hidden sins. We confess and repent and ask God for the strength to overcome and to find victory in those areas of our life. Now, this is not an act that we do to say, okay, now I'm good, right? Now I'm forgiven, no, we know that for those who profess the name of Jesus, we have been justified. We have been marked not guilty. Sins forgiven, past, present, and future. And so before God, positionally, we are counted righteous. But in practice, unfortunately, we, we still sin. We are still working out our sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. So this time of confession, again, is to humble ourselves, to submit our lives to a perfect and holy God because we know that we are not. We realize we stumble and fall prey to the lusts of the flesh, and we need him. We need his help to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. So this is part of our defense. This is part of our armor. And praise God that he forgives us for our sins, and, and he forgets. Next is Thanksgiving. This is a, a very familiar one for us. It's thanking God for who he is and what he's done in your life. Right? The abilities that you have, the joys and sorrows that he's placed in your life. Like if you sit and think about it, we really could spend hours thanking God for the many blessings and benefits that he's given us. And I think this charge to be thankful is summed up so well in Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5. It says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. So may we be a people who are marked by our thankfulness. And the final category here is supplication. Right? This is the majority of what our prayers look like. Making those petitions, those requests to God. These can be for for our family, for our friends, for our church, for our community, for government, and for yourself. And so these four categories make up the ACTS model. And I encourage you, I encourage you to use it. I know for, for me this model has been a great source to, to pray those varied prayers and to pray more effectively. Because when we pray for more than just our requests, it forces us to remove ourselves from the forefront of our prayers and acknowledge that God is at the center of our prayers as we praise Him 
as we thank him, as we confess to him where we've fallen short and that we need his help. Well, the third thing Paul mentions about prayer is that it is to be made with all perseverance. He says this, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. He's speaking about the manner in which we pray, right? With perseverance and with alertness. There should be a conscious awareness that we know what we're praying for and the patience and strength to continue to pray for it until it is answered. This is something that Jesus told the disciples to do on the night of his betrayal. Mark 14, 38, Jesus says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And what did these, what did these jokers do here, huh? Right? They, did, they, did, uh, they didn't do either of these things. In their, in their carelessness, they gave into their physical desire for sleep. They were not watchful, and therefore they could not persevere in their prayer. Um, this notion of being watchful uh, is also echoed in Acts 20, where Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders. He says this in verses 29 through 31. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. He says to be alert. Stay awake. Be watchful. Because as we're alert, as we're mindful of what's going on around us and what specific needs are out there, uh, we can come to the Lord on the behalf of those needs, persevering in prayer. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson speaks to this saying, Christ is building his church on territory that has been occupied by an enemy. Alertness is always essential when living in a war zone. Right, so it's this reality again that we are in a battle that's not against flesh and blood. And we need to be aware as 1 Peter 5.8 says that our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And so we need to be watchful and persevere in using our weapon of prayer. And it can be a hard thing to do sometimes, right? It can be hard to persevere. But why is that? Why can't we just kind of keep at it? Well, I think, as with anything, if you don't see immediate results, you can be tempted to, to just give up, right? This ain't working. I'm just going to quit, and I'm going to try something else. Well, why do we have that attitude sometimes? Well, I think we live in a very modern society with very modern conveniences. We don't have to wait for much, right? We've got access to fast food and the answers to every question that we could ever want at our fingertips. Uh, we don't have to wait for another week uh, for the next episode of our favorite show to come out. Right? You can just sit there and binge watch seasons on end of your favorite stream, on your favorite streaming platform. Um, you can order from Amazon and have your item delivered in just a couple of days. In fact, I was talking to one of my extended family last weekend who lives near Columbus, Ohio, and they've built an Amazon distribution center right near there. And he said, Eric, it's really handy because anymore you can actually order and get your item that same day. All right, so that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, and so when we're not used to having to wait for something or not having something go immediately our way, the temptation is to get frustrated and to give up or to find another means of how I can obtain what I want 
now. And so I think we've lost the art in some regards of what it means to wait, what it truly means to be persistent. Um, Josh gave us another great example last week of persistence. And I, I told him I'm glad I wasn't here last week, and I told him I'm glad I listened to the sermon because it would have been pretty well the same in this area. Um, so I had to come up with a few more examples, but praise the Lord for that. Um, but this example of the prayer, uh, uh, persistence in prayer with a parable of the persistent widow, right? This, this parable depicts a widow who persistently goes to a judge to seek justice. He initially refuses, but he ends up granting her her wishes because of her kind of this pesky persistence. And Jesus uses this to show the believer that in light of how the judge responded to the widow's persistence, how much more God will respond to his elect, to what he says here, who cry to him day and night. Another example of persistence in petitioning God and seeking his will and, and walking in that would be Moses and the story of him leading the Israelites out of Egypt. He continuously went to Pharaoh and, and asked him to let his people go. And he was denied time after time. Right, that, And that would get a little frustrating, I think, especially after the ninth time. Right, But we see that God ultimately answered the cry of Moses and the Israelites after this tenth plague, turning the heart of Pharaoh to let them go. And Moses was faithful in persistently seeking what God had promised, and he did so until God acted upon it. This reminds me, too, of the example from Matthew 7-7 of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here, speaking again of persistence by asking, seeking, and knocking. It says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Uh, Kent Hughes, in his book, Disciplines of a Godly Man says this regarding this passage. See, he says, The asking implies requesting assistance for a conscious need. It also suggests humility. Seeking involves asking, but adds action to get up and to look around for help. And the knocking includes asking plus seeking plus persevering like one who is pounding on a closed door. So in essence here, Hughes says that Jesus' words can be read as, Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it, and it will be opened to you. Now, there are many parents out here today, and as a parent, I'm sure we've all had an experience with a child who is persistent, maybe very persistent in asking for something. I think all we have to do is, is go through the checkout line at any store, and there's no shortage of asking for something. Right, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? Can I have that? Uh, but there's nothing quite like the persistent knock on a door from your child. I don't know if any of you have been in those situations, but your, maybe your best attempts at saying, hey, stop that or, or quit making that noise usually fall on uh, deaf ears. No, the only, only the answering of that knock, the opening of the door will satisfy the persistence of a child um, who wants something from his father or his mother on the other side. And I have to think that that's what Jesus is showing us here, that God will answer as we ask and as we seek and as we knock on the door of heaven, coming to the Father in prayer. I know for me, personally, this idea of persevering in prayer really came alive this last 
uh, probably year and a half as I uh, struggled with the use of my voice. All right, as the, as the months kind of went on and I didn't see much improvement, I, I echoed what the psalmist says in Psalm 13 that says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And when we read that, it maybe doesn't sound like a very appropriate or good prayer, but I think that it is because it's the honest cry of one who is being persistent. One who has not given up and one who desires the Lord to answer. Alistair Begg says this on the topic of waiting and perseverance in prayer. He says, And the Father, who knows best, determines that when it is resolved then, according to His time and His good purpose, the benefit to the prayer will be realized with a greater sense of joy because of the wait. Right? And I can say a very, a very hearty amen to that. Right? I know for me, my prayers have gone from just this desperate petition now to praise because of what God has done in that area of my life. Um, but I also praise Him for what He has shown me and done for me during that time of, of waiting on Him. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you're still in the wait Maybe you've been persevering in prayers, waiting for a, a physical ailment to be healed or to see a loved one come to know the Lord. Maybe you're, they're saying, you know, how long, oh Lord, how long is this going to take? I would encourage you, uh, don't give up, right? Keep on going. Keep continuing in those prayers. Be encouraged by the words of Micah 7-7 that says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So we are to be persevering in our prayers. And uh, finally here, we are told to pray for all the saints. I think one of the great temptations when we look at prayer or perseverance in prayer is to make it all about us, right? All about our needs. And while those are very real, and yes, we should be Praying for those things, right? I just gave a personal testimony of something that I prayed for for me in my life. Um, but I think the temptation is that we can become so inward focused that, that that can often override our desire and our mindset to pray for other people. But here we are challenged to look beyond ourselves and to earnestly pray for the saints, right? Those who believe in Jesus and belong to God. And as we look at Paul's words, it doesn't say... Just some, right? doesn't say just for those that you like or are close to or, or fully agree with on their theology, right? No, it says for all the saints, even those who annoy you or who don't speak very highly of you, even the ones who you wouldn't choose to be friends with. Yes, those people. Why? Because we are part of the same body. Much like when your physical body is hurt and the other parts of the body tend to compensate to allow those parts to heal and be restored so we should come alongside our brother and sister in their time of need and in their struggles to offer prayer on their behalf for grace, for mercy, for healing so that that part of our body, right, our church, the greater church, can be restored. But it's this idea that we are praying for one another and this is something that sets us apart from the non-believer. 
Right? The non-believer quite naturally is living for themselves. And they view prayer in terms of what they can get out of it. Right? Their mindset is, why pray for something if it doesn't benefit me? And so they would view God as somewhat of a spiritual ATM where they offer a prayer and they, they get what they want if they follow all the right steps. And along with this, I think we also need to be careful that we aren't a church who is only concerned for itself. Right? This is not just a prayer for the saints at Ephesus here. This is a prayer for all the saints. And so our prayers should not just be for those at Providence. I think that's a very good place to start, especially for your pastors and leadership team. Um, but it should be a prayer for all the saints. I love that we had an opportunity to hear from First Choice Solutions today, right? That's a great ministry to be offering our prayers to as well. Well, finally here, as I close today, I want to go back to the beginning of this verse. As Paul mentions that all of this prayer should be happening he says here, in the Spirit, right? In the Spirit. We need to ensure that all of our prayers are led and directed by the Holy Spirit and not just ourselves. I think so often in our prayers, we can get caught up in a habitual pattern of, of saying the same things that it, it can become monotonous. And that leads to going through the motions where there's no heart, where there's no faith behind what we are saying. We're, we're just kind of saying words. You might be saying here today, hey, but Eric, I'm not good at praying. I don't really know what to pray for. Well, Romans 8.26 should be a good help for you with that. It says this, The Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What an awesome verse here. It tells us that, in fact, we don't know what to pray for, but that the Spirit does, the Holy Spirit does. And so we see here that the Holy Spirit both prays for, He intercedes for us, as well as joins with us in prayer. He joins with us in prayer by telling us, showing us what we ought to pray for, and by giving us the energy to pray, to stay alert, to stay watchful, and to be persistent and continuous in our prayers. And if you're in that boat where you need to learn, especially about prayer, well, you're in good company. The disciples who were with Jesus needed to be taught as well. One of them says here in Luke 11:1, 1, Lord, teach us to pray. Right? Teach us to pray. And so if they needed to be taught to pray, I think we would all do well to continue to learn about prayer as well especially here in the area of praying in the Spirit. I'll leave you with this quote from Alistair Begg that, that sums up what this all means and why this is a good idea. He says, Learning to pray, enabled by the Holy Spirit and guided by the Scriptures, will inevitably focus our eyes on the gospel and the glory of God and the purpose of the church. And I think that's where we want our eyes to be as well. Let's pray. God, again, I thank you so much just for this morning, Lord. I thank you for this passage, this exhortation from Paul to these believers in Ephesus. And Lord, they are for us here this morning, Lord, that we need to be a people who are ready and able to pray at all times. 
Lord, to pray with all prayer and supplication, Lord, all those different varieties of prayer, Lord, as fits the occasion. Lord, that we need to be a people who stay alert and pray with all perseverance, Lord. I don't know, maybe this one hit the hardest for some here today, Lord. Lord, I know that there are some here who are struggling, who are continuing to go through something. Lord, continue to be with them. Lord, help them, Lord, in their specific needs and in their struggles, Lord. Help them, Lord, to be persistent in prayer. But, Lord, I pray that that they could see an answer to those prayers again, Lord, as they ask, as they seek, and as they knock on the door of heaven, Father. And I pray, too, Lord, that we could be a people who are marked to pray not just for some, not just for our best friends, not just for those people we like, Father God, but for all of the saints, all of those who profess the name of Christ and believe in him. And God, I pray that we would encompass all these things, not in and of our own abilities and in and of our own strength, Father, but Lord, that we would seek the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would seek what you would have for us and pray in accordance with your will. And Lord, in in who you are, Father. So Lord, be with us as we go from here. Be with us um, as we try to put these things into practice. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.